And here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. Science in between. Look, look at us. Look at that's us. Scott. <laughs> and that's Ollie. And we're we're here. And this is what like, gosh, we're like solidly in season three now. Look at us. We're solidly in season three. This is our fourth episode in season three. So we're almost a month into season three. I know. It's wild. It's wild that we've been doing this for, for this long. And it's so cool. Yeah. Every 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 week we get together and just chat. And and I'll say here's here's I'll set this up because um okay. last last week I was doing some uh observations of mini lessons that uh a friend of the show leslie gates uh she had her yeah (laughs) yeah, leslie gates uh who she had her students doing mini lessons and this is like early in their um development as teachers so they're these teacher candidates they're probably i think maybe sophomores and so one of the things that she has them do is do mini lessons of like discussions around art um and even though arts outside of my, uh, you know, area of expertise, she she has me and some other colleagues come in just to kind of give feedback on where they are at in in their development and, and and how they can facilitate discussions. So they're really doing these mini lessons. They're planning mini lessons around you know pieces of art and trying to foster conversations and questioning and all this. Um, and then I'm giving you know feedback, and most of it's just like you know glows and grows, you know. You know, questions for them to ponder and things like that, you know, and one of the, the areas of, of the, you know, the rubric that Leslie provides for them is around closure mm. and, and how well they've, you know, closed their lessons, these mini lessons. Mm. And I will say like, you know, of, of the lessons I was watching these, the, the three that I watched uh, last week, and I'm actually going to do them again this week. Um, that all the cl- closures were really um, underdeveloped. But then as I was giving feedback to them as a, you know, de- debriefing as a group after I, I admitted that, you know, that's probably the the part I always struggle with as mm-hmm. a, as a teacher, like I'm really good at, you know, I, I'm not saying like this from a like talent standpoint, I think mm-hmm. over, you know, years of practice and development and reflection and feedback, I've, I've do, I do a pretty good job of setting up lessons and I do a, a good job of you know questioning in my classrooms but at the end i I feel like some of my lessons just just end right they just stop or like well that's all i've got for you today and you know see you next week you know (laughs) and and i know even though i i try to do something at the end of my lessons to try to get the students to reflect i usually do some sort of ticket out the door or exit ticket or something where i do you know feedback that i can bring in to the next time i teach i will say i do a very poor job of of getting them to wrap up their ideas or wrap up the things in some sort of cohesive way um and yeah i thought that'd be a good topic for us to talk about here is that mm-hmm. what are some ways we can be doing this what are the ways i can be doing this better yeah. <laughs> Help me, Dr. Scott. Yeah, right. <laughs> dear, uh, first, Dr. Scott. <laughs> dear Dr. Scott. First time caller. Um, long time, time listener. First time, long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, and maybe it's worth, worth taking a step back just to talk about what closure is. I mean, I think I uh, this could be my own my own uh, history with this idea, but I certainly associate closure with Danielson and 
associated framework, you know, that this idea of like anticipatory set enclosure, um, which were, were sort of the framing mechanism for a lesson. So there's something you do at the beginning to get kids engaged and participating and understanding what the purpose of the lesson is. And then there's some closure at the end of the lesson where you bring it back around and help kids understand, like, here's what you should, here's the big takeaway from today. So, um, so that idea of closure, I think I remember being taught it when I was in my teacher ed program, you know, low these many years ago and, uh, and it, and it's hung around as a, as a thing. So, um, yeah, even though we don't, I don't think people teach the, you know, I don't think people teach that anymore. The, the, the hunter model. Yeah. I don't think that, but that is a, that language, that concept of closure is still, you know, I don't know, is it a vestigial element of that? Like it's like no longer applies, but we still like expect it. We start looking like, I know when I do observations, not just of these mini lessons, but if I'm doing observations of anybody who's, who's teaching, I'm looking for like, okay, how are they ending this lesson? And like, where does it go? And yeah, yeah, as I, I have, uh, I have a, a quote that I say, endings are hard. Whenever right. I write a blog post or I write a, you know, anything uh, coming up with a cohesive ending, sometimes it's just like, that's the end period. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I don't know, I guess I, I'm, I'm of two minds about this, but, but my first mind is um, I think we actually overestimate the importance of closure. And I think particularly in science, um, my preference is, well, one of the disadvantages, the reason I think we overestimate it and the, and the reason I think it's maybe not as important or something maybe that we should actively avoid is that what closure does is it cuts off the thinking in the same way that evaluative answers to um, questions do in, in classrooms, right? It says, okay, we're done for today. This is what you were supposed to know. And, um, so that's that's the first challenge that I, I see to it. The other thing is it is it bounds and determines what it is that kids are supposed to learn from the lesson to some degree. So it says, like, these are sort of the things you should have learned, right? Now, it's not always that way. It depends on how you do closure. Closure can, can be more open-ended, exit ticket, sort of, what did you learn? But, I you know, for me, going back to this idea of practices of science, like science doesn't come to an end point. Right. Um, so why should a lesson come to an end point? Like this is where we are. Now that doesn't mean we can't summarize. It doesn't mean there aren't ways that you can help kids sort of end the day and transition into what will be, you know, the next day that you're together. But I think sometimes this idea of closure and really, especially when you hear the word, right, it sounds like we're closing something. And, uh, and I, I think, things need to be closed at some point, but the idea of every day needs its own closure. I'm, I'm less sure about that. Well, I guess, yeah. So if we want to break free from this closure, you know, I don't know what we want to call it, this concept. concept. I mean, cause it is something that, you know, we have this expectation of mm-hmm. there being closure. And, and, and I think it's great that you, you know, you frame it in the, the Madeline Hunter world is because I think that is absolutely where it comes from, but that does, you know, sort of frame our expectation that, okay, here, here's something we're looking for, but what would be a better way that would um, frame that rather than calling it a closure hmm. or an ending or, cause I think that there are some ways that we could probably do this with that fit better within our our views of science teaching right i mean maybe right. like asking okay write yourself a question that 
you want to ask next time or some way of like something that, you know, cause we're, it's all around like developing explanations, developing, you know, questions around, you know, around the, you know, the phenomenon we're studying or whatever. Um, but, you know, somehow setting the stage or acting as a bridge mm-hmm. from this lesson to the next lesson. So it's yeah. not necessarily being the, the, period but being the ellipsis or being the you know i, I know there's this uh, i'm going to say this but i i know there's this uh, whole the semicolon right oh yeah you know because links two sentences together right and so you know there's a whole you know i i don't know if you know that the tattoo community about the semicolon there's a semicolon uh community out there you don't know about oh, this no is this, uh, this is this similar to the Interabang community, or is it a different no, community? No, well, it's this. This I, I'm I'm I'm. This is completely going down like a. So it's anybody who has thought about having a period in their life, and then um, deciding that you know that the, um, the period wasn't what it. they wanted to do. You get it? So, yeah, I get it's, it. And yeah, so too, I see. Yeah, so yeah. they they that it's that they they're on the, the comma at the bottom, and now right. it's. Yes. So the semicolon is saying that, you know, okay, they thought that there was going to be an end to the sentence and they decided that there was another part that they wanted to experience. So Mm. that, you know, I just, that's a, but I think that's what, what, even though it's completely down a mental health, you know, pathway, let's bring it back. But this, but, but I think that's what we want to do is somehow think about, you know, the, how, uh, how do we bridge? Mm Mm-hmm. Because there is right. it's, or span from a mm-hmm. lesson to the next lesson. And we have to make sure that it's not just a, you know, maybe closure is not the right terminology. Or maybe we have to develop a new terminology for what we want this to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think bridge might be a good idea or transition or or um, uh, what was the other one? I, I just had another one that I thought of and now it's gone out of my head. But um, but the the idea that um you're preparing them you're helping them understand what they what they did through the day so that they have right. a sense of the importance of it and you're transitioning them or preparing them for the next lesson that's going to be happening you know maybe in 2 days maybe in 4 days depending on you know your schedule and right. things like that um so I mean I think I think there are ways to think about that that fit in with the patterns that we already talk about and how science classrooms should work right I mean there one of the things that we talk about is sort of the whole group coming to consensus so that's a that's a natural part of the process you work in small groups and then you come to do to be generative and think up new ideas and process stuff and then you come back up to the whole group less, uh, level and have a conversation about consensus and what do we all agree on what are the things that are outstanding that we don't yet agree on that we have to figure out like that kind of a ending to a lesson makes good sense to me like okay let's think about what we did today what are some of the, you know, like you said, I think this building on what you just said, right? Like, what are some questions that you have? What are some things that we now know that we didn't know um, before? And where where do we think we need to go next when we see each other, um, you know, in two days? Um, so I think, I think something like that, that helps kids understand that, um, you know, we want to process what we did today. But it's not done. It's not over. Right. We're not saying we're closing it. What we're saying is, 
let's make sure that we sort of consolidate what we learned and understood from today so that we can prepare ourselves for the next time. Yeah, I think I think we we have to come up with a better term because I think the closure is the thing. It's like it's it not only it, is it, you know, sending this expectation of an ending that I think a, a lot of us have trouble meeting. But I think if we have a, a better way of framing it, I think people would be better at doing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so like I like I like this idea that it's it's not it's 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 generative because it's generating something for the next time so it's mm. a, a generative end i don't know yeah. I, yeah i don't know i mean you know it's it's sort of um i mean on some level there's an analogy in teaching that it's that it's sort of like a planning it's a it's a it's a prospective look at like okay, well, here's where we are now. What does that mean needs to come next? So helping the kids think about like, right. what's next? Like, what do we need to know? Where do we need to go from here? What's a logical next step? Um, instead of closing what we've already done, let's use what we've done as a platform to understand what comes next and what what the most important questions are. How do we make decisions about what's coming down the pipe? So what are some, so, I mean, we're throwing out questions as, as one thing, like helping them. Cause I think this is a literacy thing too, where, you mm-hmm. know, whenever you're reading books to, to young children, you're trying to help them predict what's going to happen. Right. Um, so questioning, I think would be a, a good way of doing this ending thing or, you know, platform or bridge or transition or whatever we're going to call it. Um, but what are some other ways? I think a summarizing technique would mm-hmm. be a good one too. Like summarizing, you know, you know, a, uh, a summary to your future self, right? It's like, right. Uh, yeah. you know, so that, so that when you are the person reading this, you know, in two days, four days, whenever that you are summarizing, what were the big ideas you, you learned or talked about today, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, one of the, one of the, techniques. And I think actually, as of yesterday, we've got a paper coming out about this um, that uh, Craig Ray, uh, who was a postdoc with me and um, up until recently, and he just got a paper published in NSTA that'll be coming out, I think, in November um, about this thing called the summary table, right? And other people have used this. He he didn't invent it. We didn't invent it. Um, It comes out of ambitious science teaching. But a summary table is a way of capturing what what each thing is that you've done and how it helps contribute to the larger explanation that you're working on. And so when you hit when you said summary and started describing that, it seems like that, you know, that's a nice way to think about it. Sort of having kids at the end of a lesson sort of write a little summary for themselves and just say, hey, here, here's what, here's what we learned today, or here's what I figured out, or like my group and I figured out, and here are some questions that we still have. Um, so that sense of like, at the end of the day, you reflect as a, as a student on what you learned and what you better understand and, and how you can, how that prepares you to move forward in the, and, and calling that a summary or, or whatever you want to call it. But, um, but a summary table is is a class level thing, though it can be individual, um, for capturing that same sort of idea. So I think it, summary is nice that it would connect to to that in that way. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to go down it. I have I have no familiarity with summary tables. This is like the okay. first time I've ever heard it. So, but I thought what you were doing, what what you were going to talk about was you know 
you know, one of the things that happened during the pandemic was a lot of folks, you know, found, discovered, started using choice boards. So oh, choice yeah. boards. And I, I, that was one of the big things that came out of the pandemic where like people were like choice boards are awesome. And, and, you know, it wasn't new, but it was new to a lot of folks. Um, mm-hmm. But I wonder whether like, I thought you were going down that pathway with a summary board. Cause that was what I thought you were talking about was like, Oh, you, that students get to choose from this. I mean, it's still kind of that, but maybe the, yeah, I was thinking, they were choosing what they were summarizing for the day. Like they were going to be able to choose this, this, or this. Um, but that was my own, you know, misconceptions there that mm. of what, what you're talking about. But I wonder if that's a, an opportunity here is giving the students some like, okay, from today, write a question, write a summary, write a whatever of this. This is like the, uh, the closure choice board. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> that's the laziest way I could probably describe <laughs> it. Right. It's like the closer, Jasper. Um, there you go. Yeah, Sorry. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah. I put yeah. no effort there. Copyright Ollie Dreon. <laughs> yeah. 2022. Yeah. Trade market. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think the other version of this that I, um, that I think you hear that's in the same vein is the KWL sort of chart, right? right. What, what I know, what I want to know, what I've learned chart. Um, I think those all those things are designed to be some sort of summary of like where we are as a class or as a as an individual in the class. Um, so, I mean, it, just to clarify what a summary table is, really all it is is uh, it's a list of the activities that have been done within a unit. So the first column is the activity. And then the second column is the evidence that was generated by that activity. So what do we what what evidence now do we have to uh, for our around our uh, phenomenon? And then the third column is really like what inferences or or reasoning can we build from that evidence? And then the last column is how does that help us understand the phenomenon better? Um, so it's it's. And then you do that for each activity. And over time, you're changing, hopefully, all of them because you go back and say, oh, now in that activity two thing that we did, we understand better because we did activity five, which is related to it. So now we can maybe change the reasoning there and think about how it contributes differently to our overall explanation. But the idea is to structure that relationship between what are we doing today and how does that fit into the bigger picture? So Um, is that is that something the students do? Right. Because I, I see some value in, in having teachers do that, too. Cause... Yeah, no, it's it's both. Right. I mean, it, it's I mean, I think the way it's most commonly used is as a consensus tool. Right. Where the teacher has either one for each class or or a running one, maybe for multiple classes, depending on how you how you operate right up on the wall. Um, other people keep it in their notebooks. But either way. There's some sense that it's not just mine. I may develop, I may do my row first, like I may sit in my group and we'll talk about it. And then we each fill our our own row for that activity. But at some point, the whole class talks about it and decides like, what, what, what are we as a class going to capture in that row as being the important evidence and the important reasoning and how it helps us understand this bigger phenomenon. So it is, it is, um, I mean, it can also be used as a planning guide for teachers um, in advance, right? You could try and write one of those tables out and say, okay, this activity, the purpose of this activity is to generate this evidence. And this evidence helps the kids reason about the phenomenon in this way. So you could do it that way too, as a, as a sort of planning exercise for yourself. Um, but typically, yeah, but I, almost, 
almost well, like like each you know if you do that sort of like hey we're gonna have this big empty table that you give them at the start of a unit and then whatever activities they do that day that help to drive that you know the ambitious science teaching model right mm-hmm. um and have them at the end of the lesson just right re- like summarizing hey okay here's what we did today what are the things you learned from this and like using that to set the stage for the next time so Mm -hmm. rather than being the end of the unit but being an ongoing part of of the development i think that could be really powerful and could serve this you know this problem of closure that we're talking about right yeah i mean i think the the tension always is with that and this happens whether you're using a summary table or not is the there's this fine line between helping kids understand how what they're doing today is connected to the larger phenomenon and beating that to death where they're constantly having to come back and say, okay, what did we do today have to do yeah. with the big idea and what did it do? And, and it gets old. So there is this question of, you know, you, you could, but that said, you could do three of the columns in the summary table without doing that last one and save that one for, you know, for more intermittent use. So on a daily basis or a regular basis, you would say, here's the activity we did today. Here's the evidence that we have. Here's the, here's the reasoning, or here's what it helps me understand. And then maybe that last column is questions I still have, or things I'm still wondering about. And then you worry about the, how does it connect to the big phenomenon later or as a whole class or whatever. But, but I do think, yeah, something that, um, some sort of consistent practice, I think it would be nice to have at the end of a lesson where it's like, okay, it's the end of the lesson. Everybody pull out your lab notebooks and this is what you're going to do. You're going to like do your day. You're going to do your daily summary of like what we did today. Yeah. A a summary, uh, a question. What is, what are some other things that could fit into this, you know, this discourse based model Mm. that we're proposing, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Or advocating for, I mean, I guess we're not proposing it. It's not ours, you know? No. Well, the discourse-based model isn't ours, but all these great ideas that we're coming up with now, these are all TM, TM, TM. Right. I know. Yeah. We should should hold off on putting this out there for folks. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Or or else, you know, get get our book out there (laughs) about closure. (laughs) Yeah. All these great. (laughs) The closure. The closure yeah. book. The, cl- the closure book. Yeah, that I think that's going nowhere. Don't close the closure <laughs> book because it's too good. We had a better chance for the last book that we proposed, and that yeah. went nowhere. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, just- yeah, I'm trying to think about other other ways to think about this ending bit. Um, I mean, because it, it's not an ending. I mean, that's the thing I think is the problem is that we, it, it is not an ending. And then mm. and it, most, you know, discourse-based models, most classroom activities that we're going to be doing either in a science classroom or any time where the classroom is based on some, because there's like some thread together between, you know, what you're doing today and, and, and tomorrow or next lesson or what, you know, might, might not be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's some way, there are ways you have to do this that, it's not just about like, hey, we're done for today. Catch you next time. Right. <laughs> which, yeah. which I've done and I've seen done. You know? Yeah, sure. We've all done it. And I mean, but I think, you know, going back to that bigger picture question, I think one of the one of the reasons I don't like closure um, and that notion is we 
like one of the things that we have to fight against with ambitious science teaching, these kinds of approaches is the idea that things are connected because most of the way that schooling operates, like today's lesson is, you know, I'm going to write the objective on the board. And by the end of the lesson, you're going to know this. Right. And, and the problem with that is it, it makes kids think that everything is its own discrete thing, that there's no relationship between these things. And then at the end, we're like, oh, by the way, all that stuff you learned is all related. Let me tell you how. And they're like, forget it. Um, so it, there isn't a sense of the, these are, this process is an organic unfolding of understanding. Right. It's like, these are topics that you have to cover and the topics are sort of unrelated to each other, except that they all fall under, you know, biology or physics or chemistry or whatever, but otherwise like these things are not related to each other. And, um, that's never obviously explicitly said, in fact, quite the opposite. We try to tell kids that they, these things are all related, but it turns out that the way we teach them with this, like, here's the beginning and here's the end. And it happens every 45 minutes or 80 minutes if you're on a black schedule or whatever, but that's it. And that thing is over. And now we go to the next thing. Yeah. I think that discreteness um, is we do a disservice to our field when when we structure lessons that way, because it does give kids the idea that like, oh, this is all just a bunch of discrete facts that I just have to learn and not a whole bunch of interrelated organic concepts that are part of a process of understanding the natural world. Yeah. And, th and that creates a lot of disservice for our students and how they see yeah. science. Well, I, I'm, I'm also thinking a little bit about like, I'm, we're going to go back to like the Brian Brownish, you know, stuff that we talked friend about. Of the front, friend for, of the show. <laughs> almost friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Someday but friend I, of the show. Aspire but I, show. yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I get, um, you know, one of the big things, he, you know, he presents in his book is the, the, the idea that we have to, you know, draw on students' languages and their terminology. And, and I think that we have to provide maybe as this bridge an opportunity for them to revisit those, those, that language that they've developed and, and the concept they, they're trying to describe, you know, especially if there are new things that happen in that lesson or, or that class where it's like, okay, you know, um, you know, what, what's one concept or one new term or something? Well, I don't want it to be like, Hey, write down the definitions of the things we learned today, but, no. you know, in your own words, describe these things that we did today and how you do that. And especially if it's something that we, you know, are, are, I don't know, collecting or assembling that we can get a sense of where the students and their understanding is, and that can serve as a really good bridge for the next time because we're going to, because then it acts as sort of like, uh, you know, a formative assessment, right? Of where th folks are, you know, just to t take a temperature of where they are in this arc of, you know, development and science. And yeah, no, I don't think it's sort of formative assessment. It is formative assessment, right? I mean, if, well, it's formative assessment if you use it that way, right? Which is to say, if you look at the stuff that kids are producing and use that to guide your instructional decisions, then it's then it's formative assessment. So right. um, I think it's an opportunity to gather that information in a way that could be super productive and helpful in terms of designing your next lesson, right? It's like, okay, well, here's where the kids are in terms of what they currently understand and they think we need to know. So where do I go from here with that? How do I prepare... Yeah the next lesson? How do I frame that activity that maybe I'm going to do anyway, but now I can ask it in, ask questions about it or pose it in a way that fits in with their current understanding and helps them build forward with their ideas. 
um, yeah, I think that's, that's always good, right? Like it's, it's cause this is the thing that we always, not always, but we often forget is like all these connections between things are obvious to us because we've known them for a long time, but the right. kids are just learning them. Yeah. And so seeing these connections is sometimes hard for them. So helping to use that as a, a, you know, again, as a platform, how do we understand what do these kids know and how do they know it and what questions do they have? Well, that's great. Cause that sets us up for, for really moving forward in a cool direction. So, okay. I may, I'm going to frame this a little differently just to kind of like, cause I'm okay. like going, th- thinking about like, you know, ideas, right? Like ideas that would fit, but I don't know what we're fitting. Right. Mm-hmm. So if something is going to act as an effective bridge, connecting device, generative ending, who knows what this yeah. term is that we're trying to use instead of closure. Mm-hmm. What are the elements that have to happen? What are the elements that need mm-hmm. to be included in that for them to be effective? Because I think that would be better for us than just like me throwing out ideas. I think what's a better way of looking at is, okay, if this is going to be an effective blah, whatever this thing is, you know, word other than closure. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, then what makes it effective? I mean, one, it's gotta, it's gotta be, you know, I don't know, forward, you know, right. Facing forward serving prospective, right. It's gotta do something that it's gotta, you know, cultivate the thing that's coming. Right. It's gotta inform us as teachers. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it also, I think has to serve as an opportunity for, reflection or meaning making or something for the students Mm -hmm. where they're doing some work. You know, I'm a big believer of the person who does the work, does the learning. And that's like, like one of my teaching mantras. And so I think in this situation that if we're, whatever this non-closure thing is, Mm -hmm. that's gotta be one of the aspects or elements is it has to, you know, I don't, you want to use the force, the word force, but it has to, foster the ability for students to reflect or do some meaning making on, on whatever the day's events were. Yeah, no, I think it, I think that's, those are the two critical pieces. Those are, as you, when you asked the criteria, those are the two I thought of, there has to be a retrospective component and there has to be a prospective component. So, so it's like, you have to look back at what you've done and you have to look forward at what you need to do next. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that just, yeah. that, it hit me right here. I like did that. It, Scott. it did. Right. I, Russ, uh, prospective and retrospective, retrospective and prospective. So I was going to say respective, but uh, <laughs> retrospective. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah. No, not that. No, no, <laughs> no. not the Look thing. at you breaking no. in the song. I didn't that, expect that. That was not song. That was not no. song. That was it's just speaking like words. Yeah. In fact, it was only letters because I was spelling yeah. something. So it doesn't count. Uh, there it's like go. Tom Hanks level singing. So I think we need to uh, you have to do some more thinking on this because, uh, you know, we just I just threw this out as a, you know, problem of practice of my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I when I was talking to these these students, I said, look, you know, this is you know I've been teaching for over 30 years and this is something that's still something I work on Mm -hmm. and you know you and I've been at this a while and and I think that uh that that there's still stuff for us to learn you Mm -hmm. know there's still stuff for us to work on and I think that's the great thing about this craft and this 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 you know this whole teaching field is that we're we're trying to do it better right Mm -hmm. and 
Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so I, I that that was that was not, your closure. That was not an effective closure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. So pro pro retro. Yeah. So we, do you want to move into joys? Sure. We can move into joys. Why don't you go first? I have a a, a band, uh, and well, an album and a band, and I'm actually really excited to to see this band. They're coming to uh, to Harrisburg. Uh, Wet Leg. Do you know this band, Wet Leg? I do not know Wet Leg. Uh, so they're a uh, a duo from from England, um, and they kind of blew up this summer um, with this song called Chase Lounge. It's a chase, lo- <laughs> chase lounge, but uh, yeah, they, they pronounce it differently. Yeah. And they have this awesome album out and I'm trying to, I, I, I'm trying to remember what the name of the album is, but it is because it's like been on serious play at our house. Maybe it's just the wet leg. Maybe it's just the album. Wet leg. Maybe it's just named. Yeah. It's, it's that it's, it's the name eponymous, of eponymous as they yeah, say. Yeah. So the it's, it's, it's two female singers. They're a duo and they're uh, they are, so fun so upbeat and and a little naughty um because some of the songs are a little naughty um when you hear them you're just like and you find yourself singing them and not really thinking about what the words are saying and then when you're like oh oh that's you know that's a little naughty and then uh yeah but it's so much fun and i'm so excited because i'm going to see this band in in december and they are going to be, it's going to be one of those shows where people are going to be jumping around and having a blast and wet leg. It is awesome. Wet leg. Wet, wet leg. Wet leg. Wet leg. Yes. Yes. They're described right. as indie rock, post-punk, indie pop, Brit pop. These are the things I'm seeing on on their, uh, on the wikipedia site for them. But they're just a fun band. And I think they just, I think they originated just by like you know doing this as a fun thing side gig and that's just like people like really took this to, to the songs and it was like oh this is awesome yeah nice yeah. all right yeah cool what, like, so what when are you going to see them i think it's supper um okay. they, they we we they're like surprisingly coming to harrisburg and i'm playing in this small little venue and my 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 wife is like such a huge wet leg fan right now and she's like it's on like constant you know how you have those albums that you yeah. like you just can't take off the you know either it's, you know the cd or or the the you know the album is just constantly playing and that's where she is with with her spotify right now this album is just like on constant you know replay nice all yeah right. check it out wet legs i will check it out on the chase launch all day long Ch- on the chase launch on the chase launch <laughs> those are the words all right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. You'll have that in your head. You'll have that yeah. in your head. It'll be like, you'll find your like self be bopping around to it. Yeah. Well, right. well, um, so I was debating cause I was going to do a musical thing, but, but then something you said triggered a book thing that recently has resurfaced for me. That's one of my favorite books that, um, is sort of, it's on the fence between um, between a, a, a book that I read because I was interested in it and a book that I thought was sort of a professional book. So it's called uh, Shop Craft as Soul Craft. No, is that right? Shop Class as Soul Craft. Sorry, Shop Class as Soul Craft. Um, and it's uh, it's sort of got a Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance vibe to it, except it's more it's not it's nonfiction, 
Um, but it's a, it's just a fascinating book. Um, it's, it, it was, he, the guy who wrote it talks about, uh, like the subtitle is an inquiry, uh, into the value of work. Let me see if what's the whole title here. Value of work. Yeah. Sorry. By Matthew Crawford. Um, and it's about sort of about fixing motorcycles and shop class and that kind of shop class, but it's also about what craft means and, um, and the power of doing something that is a craft. Um, and you know, there, I think I, on this, on this show before I've recommended the the book about boat making, um, but it, but it has a similar vibe to it that it's this idea that a, like a craft, um, is, is an, is almost an ongoing conversation between the, the person who does the craft and, and the materials and the craft itself. And so I think for me, that's the way I think about teaching is that it's just a, it's, you know, there's lots of ways to describe it, but, but it is about this ongoing conversation between me and, and the craft of teaching. And in this case, the materials are a little different. They're human beings, right? They're either kids in science classes or they're pre-service teachers or in-service teachers. But these relationships that you're, you have to, every time you do it, you're renegotiating it because there, the, there is no group of people that's the same. And so that idea that it's a craft and it's ever evolving and ever changing, but, um, but just, it has some really nice, um, thoughts about that idea and how that kind of work is generally undervalued, right? Which I think we certainly know about teaching being sure. undervalued, but uh, I think other places that are like that, but yeah, it's, what's it's, the name it's, of the book again? It's shop class as soul craft, an inquiry into the value of work. And it's by uh, Matthew Crawford and I'll, I'll put it in obviously in the show notes, but, or we yeah. will, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a good book and it's, yeah, it's a little bit funny, a little bit philosophical. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll have it's, to, it's nice. I'll have to read that to maybe overcome some of my, my childhood trauma from shop class. Like oh. I middle school shop class was not, not the most friendly place not, for not Ollie's young Ollie. Safe place. No, it was not the safe space for <laughs> young Ollie. It was not, and and the teacher didn't help. No, he did not I'm help. Sure, no, I'm sure the teacher was the main reason why it was not. Right. Well, he, yeah. he created an environment where it was okay to call each other weak sisters. That's what he called us. Oh, nice. He, yeah. He that was his. Uh, yeah. It was. It was yeah. great. Mm, mm. Mm. I, mm. I was. I may or may not have been called a weak sister. <laughs> <laughs> more than once yeah. oh, good time sorry and you would think that you know with with uh woodshop it would be something that would require constant supervision no 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 no. <laughs> no no i mean we could go down that rabbit hole all day but yeah i have i have some horror stories from from my shop class like one one kid who put his hand in a planer oh. and yeah, that was bad. Uh, this is back in the day before they had like, there's so many safety mechanisms now yeah. and all this equipment that it's really, it's really pretty hard to hurt yourself. I mean, it's not impossible, obviously, but it's a lot harder than it used to be. And um, yeah, it was, is disturbing. 
uh, stuff. But yeah, I that's think that's another, that's another episode. Yeah. That's another episode. <laughs> Scott that's not about Ollie. this book. <laughs> yeah. This book, Scott and Ollie go through, you know, counseling yeah, together. No. <laughs> I don't think we want to unpack middle school, man. There's no. nothing. It's just, man, middle school's rough. Yeah. Middle I mean, school as much for... as I love middle schoolers and middle school teaching. Yeah. <sighs> I liked being a middle school teacher. I did not like being a middle school student. No, no. No. Well, there's really not a lot to like about it. It's, yeah. it's a, it's an awkward time for everybody concerned and it's just a, it, everybody's sort of on the struggle bus together trying to get through and, and survive into high school Yeah, where things get really <laughs> mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's such a friendlier space that high school. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's all, it's a love fest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's a probably a pretty good place for us to leave. Let's go, go back cry. to wet leg. <laughs> yes. Need to, need to go take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. Hey, well, glad you've been here. You know, catch you next time. In between. That, that's our closer right there. See? I know. See, <laughs> it is. Yeah. See you next time. In between. <laughs> See you Bye then. Bye now.